Welcome into the Bad Fan. Let's catch up on the dog days of summer where Major League Baseball stands entering September. What are our thoughts on the Champions League group draw and all the other latest news from the world of soccer and sports? Your journey with the Bad Fan begins right now. Hello, and I am your host, Cole Carter, and I'm glad you've tuned in with us. I'm joined today by fellow hosts and friends, Brandon Pasnick and Stephen Curl. Fellows, we're back. Episode 33. Stephen, what's in your cup? Uh, we got some Swiss Miss hot chocolate. Um, I'm feeling good tonight. I'm in the top right-hand corner. I'm usually down oh. yonder where Brandon is, so I'm feeling a little frisky tonight. Ooh, a little spicy. I mean, that hot cocoa and late august not too hot for you huh yeah no it's freezing in my house all the time all the yeah, time yeah i, I, I actually do i sort of miss the the cold actually i can't get seem to get comfortable in my place quite yet um but yeah cole can you actually move me back up to that top corner i'd, I'd really no, this, appreciate this is my, this is mine <laughs> yeah dude. sorry i gotta get used to it for the next hour so brand how are you doing up in columbus today i'm doing well I uh, I'm repping Rangers today because yes. they um, made the Champions League, so that's really exciting. Don't know if they'll make it out of the group though. Uh, we'll get into that later. Um, and something that's sort of on the horizon that's not decided yet, but I might be finally going to see FC Cincinnati play in Ooh. over Labor Day weekend. So we'll see. It's it's not established yet, but it's an idea. So. I love it. And Steven's back wearing the Braves jersey. I got the old-fashioned Tottenham jersey that my boy Steve got me as a gift. I'm very grateful for it. It's got Luka Modric on the back. Um, but anyways, we'll get started today. We're going to begin today's bad fan journey with MLB, Major League Baseball, and kind of take a look at where things stand with over just a month left in the Major League Baseball season. Uh, a far cry from where we began early on this spring with our predictions of the season. Um, but Steven, give us a little rundown of Maybe starting with the division leaders from each uh, league. You got that conference language going Gosh, on. You got to you got to come off that soccer lever, brother. <laughs> we got to get soccer, American baseball. That's embarrassing, <laughs> actually. Hey, you know what? It's okay. It's okay. We're gonna get started here. We're gonna go to the American League first. We're talking about the New York Yankees atop of the AL East. The Yankees are seven games up with a little bit over a month to go over Tampa Bay, who recently has found a good stretch of form, who's the top team in the American League wild card. And if you know me, you know I love the Braves, but you know the Rays are my team also. The Rays are going to Ray every year. So the Rays are coming up solid right now. Uh, we're going into the American League Central a little bit after that. The American League Central – is like a dumpster fire. Uh, it's a hot potato game of who wants to win the division. Nobody wants to, but right now the Cleveland <laughs> Guardians are three and a half games up over the Carlos Correa, Minnesota Twins, and Tony La Russa's White Sox. Um, yeah, it's a uh, neither, to say the least, neither of these team, three teams are going to win the World Series um, whatsoever. Um, but that's kind of fun. Uh, Houston does not have a problem. Hey, see what I did there? Does not have a problem right now. They sit 12 oh. games um, up in the AL West over a very fun Mariners team, which still largest postseason drought in baseball history currently right now 
it's up to I think twenty over twenty years currently. Um, moving into the National League, uh, we have Freddie Freeman's Dodgers are as happy as they can be with a. 19 and a half game lead <laughs> over the wow. San Diego Padres who have uh my sources say hung a dartboard of Fernando Tatis's face on it um with Clevenger <laughs> throwing darts at it every day um so yeah so that's the NL West right now and like the NL the NL Central something about the Central the NL Central is a dumpster fire as well but the Cardinals couldn't care less as they sit six games over the Milwaukee Brewers that decided it was a fun idea to trade away their best pitcher. Um, but it hasn't really bit their hand yet. Josh Hader struggling in San Diego. Um, so the Cardinals sit top of the division in the National League Central. And then moving on to your Braves, the National League East, the only real race that's going on right now in the National League Um comes with the Atlanta Braves playing as cool as their new soft serve ice cream machine um, in the clubhouse right now as they are closing nice. in on the division leading New York Mets, who are a one and a half games over the Braves right now over wow. Bloopers Braves. Um, but the charge is going on right now, really the slash, if you will. Um, yeah, so that's the little quick little roundup of where all these divisions stand right now. It's a little over a month and a half to go of the major league baseball season. Well, let's land a little bit more and have a little quick conversation about each the AL East, the Yankees are leading that one in which they've been on a free fall recently. Uh, What's yeah. been going on with that, and can we expect them to relinquish that lead to Tampa Bay, Steve? See, the Yankees, if you were to talk to us before the All-Star break, the Yankees had one of the best starts out of any team in Major League Baseball history. Um, and like Cole said, they are in free fall mode right now. But the issue is, for those teams trying to catch them right now, like my Tampa Bay Rays, is that they were so good before. They still sit over seven games ahead of Tampa Bay. Um, issues with the New York Yankees right now come with some Cy Young candidates that we had touched on uh, a few episodes ago. Uh, Nestor Cortez, my mustache connoisseur, um, is landing on the IL to join Yankees closer Clay Holmes, Yankees starter Luis Severino, Yankees newfound love Matt Carpenter. Yankees relief pitcher Zach Britton, and the list goes on and on. Giancarlo Stanton just got back off the injured list today. Um, and to give you an idea of where the Tampa Bay Rays are dealing with is Tampa Bay Rays have a guy named Christian Bethencourt, which a long time ago, Cole knows what I'm talking about, a long <laughs> time ago was touted as the Brian McCann replacement at catcher. Um Kind of a two-way player, not really. Uh, had some stints in San Diego. Well, he's homered in three straight games and come out of nowhere. And that's and that's a Rays mo. Uh, finding a random guy. A couple of years ago, it was some crazy dude named Randy, right? Randy Arozarena. You know, is it Christian <laughs> Bethencourt right now? I don't know. But you know, the Rays are gonna Ray. Um, it's they that's... find themselves in this spot every year of being bottom of the payroll. Count them out of it. I think two weeks ago they were in fourth place in the division. Now they find themselves in second. Um, they're streaking right now. The Yankees are in free fall, but I think the Yankees are going to hold on to the division. Oof, man. Um, yeah, it's also still, you know, there could be four 
ALS team, AL East teams that still make the playoffs. Isn't that still a chance of that potentially? Baltimore uh, kind of surging a little bit more than they expected this year. Yeah, Baltimore, man. If you have a heart, you love the Baltimore Orioles. Um, the Baltimore Orioles are a very fun <laughs> team right now. They sit, let's see here. They are two and a half games out of a wild card spot right now behind Seattle, who's over in the AL West. So as things stand right now, we have the Yankees, Tampa Bay, and the Toronto Blue Jays, three teams from the AL East um, making the playoffs if the season were to end today. But Baltimore is hoping to flip the script and sneak in there. Yeah, that's crazy. That is crazy. Uh, then the AL Central, you said the Guardians are kind of balling out. Brandon's Guardians. Um, what's the story with them? What's Who's been leading them and leading that charge? Yeah, I mean, the Guardians are a team that at the trade deadline was talking about trading away like Shane Beaver and Jose Ramirez, uh, two of their best players on the roster. Were they sellers? Were they buyers? And then they also were linked with um, – they were linked with Juan Soto all of a sudden. So literally in, in one day it was getting rid of Shane Beaver. The next day it was we're going to get Juan Soto. So the Guardians don't know who they are, but they do know that they're first in the division right now. And – Big helps to Jose Ramirez having another fantastic year. I think he has 25 home runs, like 15 stolen bases. He's hitting like 290, something crazy like that. I think he already has um, over 100 RBIs too, doesn't he? Yeah, I think he already has 108 RBIs. So insane. Jose Ramirez is kind of that guy on the Guardians that is just – he's going to ball out every year. Uh, Shane Bieber, um, former Cy Young winner, um, has also found a rhythm of late. But I want to hone in on – uh, a couple players that are having a year that if it weren't for these two guys, I think the Guardians wouldn't even be in the playoff conversation whatsoever. And I really want to actually start off with Tristan McKenzie. He is, I probably got 20 pounds on the guy. He's there lanky. Is, he's a lank boy, throws 98, 99 miles per hour. Last year coming off of a bad year with a 4.95 ERA. Um pitching to a 3.17 ERA right there with Shane Bieber that I actually think currently has the exact same ERA. Um, This is a kid who is shoving, just had a career-high 14-strikeout game. That's insane. Um, Him and then Andres Jimenez, who was a first-time All-Star this year, sneaking at the second-base spot for the American League um, All-Star team. He set 306, 15 home runs, 15 stolen bases, actually a former Met, kind of came out of nowhere – um really made his debut in the league in 2020 but it's guys like these that find themselves on these teams come august september what we call in baseball the dog days that can really get your team over the hump um and sometimes it comes in a deadline move or sometimes just comes a player out of nowhere but yeah that's where they have the guardians um right now and with byron buxton from the minnesota twins um, just landed on the injured list. He was a first overall pick. The man just can't stay healthy. Um, he lands on the injured list, and I just don't think the Twins are going to be able to catch the Guardians. Um, but for Brandon's sake, you know, I'm ready for a little Cleveland magic in the playoffs. Uh, the last five time long I was, years. Yeah, the last time we saw him in there, they lost to the Cubs in the World Series, and it was a fun playoffs, man. I think Cleveland's one of those teams that – people want to root for um i don't know there's no lebron on the team or anything but no <laughs> this is a team that's uh 
kind of gives me a little bit of that Orioles vibe of out of all these division leaders right now, you want to root for the underdog and Cleveland's such a fun team. And out West, it's not quite a wild race, but a familiar face up top for sure. Y'all Justin Verlander. Close to being a brave this spring. That's yeah. Justin Verlander. That's, that's the sentence. Um, This is a guy that won the MVP in 2011. That was 11 years ago. I was 14 11 years ago. (laughs) 14 years old. He had a 2.4 ERA that year, won the MVP. This year, he's pitching to a 1.87 ERA for the Houston Astros. Has a 16-3 record. He has 149 innings pitched. 0.85 whip, 0.85. That's walks, hits per innings pitched. That's how many people are getting on base on average per inning. Um, For you guys not super familiar with the stat, but less than one. That's less than one. Um, (laughs) This guy is like 39, 40 years old. He he is shoving. And Um, he just came back from what is it? Tommy John surgery? He missed. It wasn't last Tommy John. It, it was some sort of I can, I don't remember off the top of my head, but he is yes, he is coming off like an injury. I think it was like a back injury or something actually. Um, but he's a guy that just it's 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 insane, honestly, and especially for a pitcher, how rare it is to go out there. He started twenty three games this year. That's a lot. Um, you're really considered a horse um, in baseball terms if you can go like 25 starts in a season, kind of 30 starts in a season. He's going to hit that um, by the end of this year. Um, but he's a big reason why the Houston Astros are 19 and a half games up in their division right now. The Houston Astros can hit. Listen, they got Bregman. They got Altuve. They got Jordan Alvarez. Um, your shout Cole for the MVP earlier on in the year. Um, yeah, I mean, this, this team can hit. But in the playoffs, it's about pitching. It's about lockdown pitching. Guys that have been there and can throw an FU fastball right up in and, and just strike you out and not care about it. Because they've been there before. They've won World Series before. And this guy's a winner. Um, and I think going into the playoffs, I think he is the he is the it factor for any pitcher on any staff. Like, he is the guy that no one can touch. I don't think Max Scherzer can touch him. Okay, maybe Max Scherzer can touch him. But Jacob DeGrom, like all these other guys, like Scherzer and Verlander have positioned themselves in these positions of the elder to be respected, but can still go out there and shove better than anybody else, better than the Max Freeds, better than the Jacob DeGroms, better than, you know, Walker Bueller, insert player here. Um, but not Clayton Kershaw because he has a Mickey Mouse ring, but um, yeah. So those two guys, um, but yeah, also the Rip Walker yeah, Bueller. Rip Walker Bueller. We'll get to that. Um, actually, yeah. So I mean, the AL West here, like the Mariners are fun. I like the Mariners. You saw Julio Rodriguez um, in the home run derby hitting moonshots um, after moonshot. I mean, what he hit the most home runs almost in home run derby history, like 60 plus or something. Yeah. Crazy. Ever. In, I think it was like ever in a first round by a rookie in MLB history. Um, He's had a 2020 season. I think he's at 20 home runs, 23 stolen bases in it's not even September yet. So the Mariners are fun. I think they're going to be a really fun team to watch in the playoffs. If they can hold off the Orioles, which I kind of hope they do. Um, But yeah, I mean the AL West it's, we all know the Astros can hit and stuff like that, but what really matters is the question marks around their pitching. 
can Justin yeah. Verlander go out there and shove for six, seven innings? And he still can. And he's, his velocity is still up at like 96, 97 miles per hour. It is absolutely insane. Sticking out west, Steve, what's the NL West looking like? You said the Dodgers are up top. And we've seen really great performances with people. Like we talked about Walker Buehler. He's on the IL for the rest of the year now. Freddie Freeman's over there. What's the catch up on the Dodgers? Yeah, I mean the Dodgers. It's it's. Uh, I'm not going to spend too much. <laughs> yeah, I mean I'm not going to spend too much time on them. Um, I'll give credit to where it's due. The Dodgers are really good. Like, they're the, they're the best team in the National League. Like, that's just the way yeah. it is. Um, that's the way it's been. That's the way it's probably going to be. They had a quiet trade deadline. Um, some some people are coming out against the Dodgers. Oh, why didn't they do more? Why didn't they go get the Manny Machado move like they did that one year, or go get the Max Scherzer like they did? you know, last year or whatever. And so they didn't, it, and it doesn't matter because um, they have such a good team. Um, some things I do want to touch on is you mentioned Walker Bueller has bit the dust. Tommy John surgery will not be expected to be back until late um, 2023 season, wow. but they just get back Andrew Heaney. Who's on my fantasy baseball team, um, former angel. Um, and he goes out off of coming off the IL strikes out 10, and his first start, he has like a 1.8 ERA. So they replaced Walker Bueller with this kid. Um, he's a solid um, right now. Andrew Heaney gives him options. Clayton Kershaw is coming back as well. He hasn't been with the team. And guess what? Freddie Freeman is hitting 326 with 10 stolen bases, 16 home runs, and 79 RBIs. Um, and that okay, and, just... <laughs> yeah, it's not even including the Mookie Betts, the Trey Turners, the I mean, it's just Will Smith, their catcher. Like this team is good. This team's the best team in the National League. Um, under them, I'd probably put the Mets and then the Braves. Um, but this team's going to go to the NLCS. This team most likely will go to the World Series. Um, and they don't really have that much competition. And then it's funny, too. Like, real quick, after the Padres went out and traded for Juan Soto, the Padres come to L.A. And L.A. just sweeps them with ease um, after this <laughs> trade goes through. It, it's you can't touch them. You can't touch Daddy. Um, the Potters are still down here, and they will be for time to come. Wow, that is quite the indictment. Um, who's making history right now in the NL Central? The machine. Albert Pulhos is sitting at 693 career home runs. It's incredible. That's fun. You know, three behind A Rod. Three behind A Rod, seven before seven hundred, and guess what? He's hitting two seventy six. He's not hitting two fifteen. He's not hitting sub two hundred. This is a guy that's been the best hitter since the All Star break. It's like, is, there's no, there's no arguments about that. He's been the best hitter since the All Star break. Gives the Cardinals a real option against lefties and maybe some righties on an off day. So he's still hitting dingers. We all thought seven hundred might have been a next season thing if he decides to keep playing. We got over a month of the season left to go. He could make history with the Cardinals while pushing for an October berth and maybe one last ride at a World Series. I you just you just love to see it. It is crazy. Um, I would love to see him break that. I don't want him to be in company with A Rod. I want him to smash past him. I just oh, yeah. can't stand the presence of A Rod. But yeah, rooting for Albert and then the Braves. Yeah, in the NL East, they're sitting so close behind the Mets. It's been push and pull it just seems like all season between those two teams and we're a game and a half back right now but um what's the outlook on the division for the rest of the season 
Yeah, um, this is going to be a dog fight. Um, it's gotten a lot interesting with Mets fans kind of shouting at Braves fans maybe a week or two ago, kind of saying we haven't really played any uh, opponents. You know, we're kind of beating up on these like lower end teams. And then the Braves just go on a streak, uh, win 10 games in a row, end up taking two out of three against the Mets. Or is it three out of four? I forget. Um, three out of four. I think it was three out of four against the Mets. Um, winning the ice cream machine for uh, Travis Darno in the clubhouse. Um, if, you know, if you know, you know. Um, two out of three against the Astros. Two out of three against the Astros and rolling in Pittsburgh. Um, like, this team's good. Um, the Braves are really good. And we have Soroka making rehab starts right now in AAA. We didn't really think he could be an option, um, but it's looking that he might be for this rotation. Uh, Jake Odorizzi pitching a lot better in his most recent start against the Pirates. That's a big question mark for the Braves right now if we have the pitching or not. Um, so Jake Odorizzi going out there and shoving. But this Mets team's good, dude. Uh, as we're recording this video, um, Jacob DeGrom tonight went six innings, one earned run, nine strikeouts. Like, it's – and that – and he's still not backed 100% yet. So – yeah, Jacob DeGrom, Chris Bassett, Max Scherzer. I think the Mets the Mets definitely have the pitching. That's where they're that's why they are where they are. Um their offense, like Pete Alonso and Francisco Lindor have been killing it for sure. Um and Jeff McNeil, but their offense just goes in these spurts where they just don't score any runs, honestly. Um and the Braves, I would say, like bias aside, like I do think we're a more complete team. I think the Mets have better pitching. Um, Edwin Diaz closing the door in the ninth inning is just insane. He has like a 1.4 ERA this year as a closer. It's insane. Um, but yeah, this this is the really only true division race in all of baseball right now across every division is the Mets and the Braves. Um, you know, Grissom, Michael Harris, the bottom of the order has been getting it done. Um, Von Grissom recently uh, was asked – he was actually drafted by the Mets back uh, – I forget the year. Um, it was initially drafted by the Mets and recently kind of came out and talked about how he's so glad he's playing for the Atlanta Braves because getting drafted and playing for the Mets would have been a disaster, he said. Um, <laughs> so adding, adding fuel to the fire, honestly, a little bit of the newly found kind of – I've never really minded the Mets, but – it's got to be something to do with this season, but my hatred for them is kind of going up a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a dicey finish, and it's going to be it's going to be dirty. It is going to be dirty, and yeah, those baby Braves have been outstanding this year. Throwing in Spencer Strider amongst Michael Harris and Von Grissom. Uh, Von Grissom just been scoring runs at the Wazoo since his call up. Uh, Michael Harris and Spencer Strider are the two front runners of the NL Rookie of the Year award. So those three have definitely been game changers for us. And so for you guys, let's kind of revisit where we were back in the spring, our world series predictions. Um, I had the Red Sox being the Dodgers in the world series. And currently they sit last in the AL East. <laughs> it's not been their season um, for a myriad of reasons, just injuries, uncertainty about contracts, trade deadline, inactivity, or just however you look at it. It's just not been, the Red Sox year, which is crazy to think about them being last, talking about the Orioles before the season. People probably expected them to lose 100 games this year, I would bet. Just overall thought process about the Orioles. And look at them having a push into September that they can have a chance to make a wild And trading away 
four players at the deadline. They sold. Yeah. And they're still, they're still there. They're still lingering out. So it's going to be, it's going to be crazy, but yeah, it's looking unlikely that my Red Sox will make any sort of comeback this season. They'll have to rebuild um, into the future, but you guys had some bold predictions saying the Braves would be repeat world series champions over the blue Jays. Brandon, are you feeling good about your prediction still? Sort of. I, I still think they obviously both will make the playoffs and I'll stick with that gut initial feeling. Um, you know, once you make it into playoffs, I think anything can really happen. We've seen it over the years. Um, I'll I'll stick with it. I was going to ask you if you wanted to change your Red Sox at all, if you wanted to throw in a, an AL team in there. I mean, change your pick. at this point, it's just like – it's almost, they're not mathematically eliminated. No, yet. they're not. It's just almost <laughs> insurmountable at this point with just the state of their club. It's hard to overcome it. Uh, man, that Astro series against the Braves is pretty good. It would be exciting to do that again. But honestly, I would kind of love to see a Yankees-Braves World Series at this point. Some redemption from 99 would be awesome. You're changing um, the Dodgers too? You're changing the whole thing? Well, I'm just thinking like mentally like <laughs> It'd be cool it would be an that. amazing series. Oh, that'd yeah, be awesome. like redemption from '99 to see the Braves beat the Yankees, but yeah, I don't. I really don't want to see a Dodgers Yankees series. Right? The two uh, least favorite teams, but if I had to pick a realistic one, that's a pretty realistic take. Um, in that series, I would probably still take the Dodgers. They have, I think, too much talent to lose to the Yankees, especially how streaky the Yankees have been in the past. But Steve, what about you, bud? Yeah, um, I mean the Dodgers are just so good. Um, I would probably have them in my World Series over the Braves. I think they'll meet in the NLCS, um, and that'll be a fun series. But, um, and I would say the Dodgers playing. Honestly, the Yankees—they're not. I think it'll be the Rays or Astros um, in the World Series this year over anybody else in the American league. Um, probably like a Dodgers Houston world series, which kind of would be fun to see another rematch of them. Uh, the cheaters versus the non cheaters. Um, it's really cheaters versus Disney world series ring. So that's, that'd be kind of funny to see. Um, but I will say this, I'll give stipulation. If the Braves win the national league East, it's going to be in dramatic fashion. And if it were to happen, and you can't underwrite momentum going into the playoffs. And I think if the Braves somehow climb back from over 10 games down in the East to win the division, the Braves are going to win the World Series. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'll am i bet my car on it. Um, What's I the think song? the last series... Winning in the stars. Yeah, it's, it's, it's <laughs> honestly... Um, Isn't the last series against the Mets, too? I want to say, I wanna say right. the last series of the year for the Braves is the Mets. Yeah. <laughs> is it it's gonna... If it's in Atlanta, I think it's in Atlanta. Yeah. Might have to buy some tickets. Yeah. <laughs> look look into it later. Yeah. It's, it's going to be wild, but yeah, I think gut feeling though, I'll go Dodgers over. I'll go Dodgers against Rays. Oh Big versus small. <laughs> I'm a romantic. How can, hey, how can you not be romantic about baseball? Steve, if you um, were romantic, you'd be picking Braves versus Rays. 
Oh, yeah, but the Braves are evil though. The Rays aren't. Um, Good so point. yeah, I'll Good go Rays. Point. I'll go Rays. Rays over Dodgers World Series. That's that's my changeup. <laughs> but if the Braves win the division though, then the Braves are gonna win the World Series. Man, it's not really an answer, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's flipping coins. Part like, you know, yeah, who's who's gonna tell me? You know. That's great. Hey, well, that was a good baseball session. We haven't had a good baseball session on here the whole crew in a while. Um, it's baseball. It's less well, close to about a month left in the season, and um, you know every game matters, every pitch matters. This is the time where you know, if you haven't been watching, it's a good time to tune in now. Uh, watch some good baseball. Fall is coming, and um, it's it's a good time to especially be a, a Braves fan right now. But Brandon, uh, you played baseball, right? Up until seventh grade. Go ahead and give me that position. Where was your Where was your spot on the diamond? I did play shortstop. Ooh, the money maker. base, and then a little bit of outfield. And I played when Cam Shepard, who played at Georgia, oh. and was drafted by the Braves. Um, when he would pitch, I would play shortstop for him. And then when he would play shortstop, I would go back to second or play outfield or whatever the switch up was. But Brandon with chemistry yeah. from UGA, oh, oh, Cam oh. Shepard. I <laughs> love it. I didn't know that I was going to say that this podcast. No, that's, <laughs> I didn't know either. That's not in the notes. Um, are you a five tool player? I'm really just, I'm really just trying to get your, were, were you, was it average? Was it power? Was it speed defense? I was bad I think at all I was five just, categories. I think I was just okay at everything. I think it was like really a fish out of water running down first. Yeah, I was. What a good first bad. baseman! I'll give you lots of credit on that, Steve. You're a really good first baseman. Oh, stop! Yeah, Me? I was a way better lacrosse player. Let's just let's just say. Yeah. Okay, we're at, at the day we talk about <laughs> lacrosse on this channel is the day that I'm not a part of the bad fan. One but day. anyways, day I'll throw will. I'll throw it back to our host. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, let's <laughs> let's jump into what we hinted at earlier. The Champions League draw has happened Let's in Turkey. <laughs> Impossible not to sing it every time. And this one happened in Istanbul, which will be the final location. It was supposed to be in 2020. Obviously, the pandemic happened, and it didn't um, land there. I think it landed in Portugal instead. That was the Chelsea Man City final. Um, anyways. Moving on, uh, we'll give you guys a glimpse of that draw. So you had uh, just a kind of mostly balanced, I would say, uh, draw. Uh, but the one that really, really stands out to everyone is that group C. You look at that with Bayern Munich, Barcelona, Inter Milan, and the Czech team, Victoria Plitzen. I don't know what Plitzen. Um, hey, regardless, respect. the whole point, you have the rematch. You have Robert Lewandowski matching up with his old club. Um, gonna be an amazing match. I'm sure both times will be sold out in Munich and in Barcelona. Um, an insert, no slouch at all. Uh, coming in hot in that third spot in that group. So that's a good one. Obviously, Steve, our guys, Tottenham, probably got the best draw uh, out of any club. <laughs> uh, landing Eintracht Frankfurt, uh, Sporting from Portugal, and Marseille from France. And so we're looking good, hoping to be the top of that group. Um, Really no excuses. It feels like I mentioned to you guys in the group uh, earlier that felt like a Europa League draw. Uh, so getting a little lucky. Um, but for you guys, if we kind of look at this and dissect it a little bit, what is another group maybe that you guys see besides a group of death that's going to be hard to get out of and might be the most entertaining to watch aside from group C? Mm -hmm. 
<clears throat> ah, yes. <laughs> now I go first. Um, I'm looking at. I'm I'm curious about this PSG group with Juventus and Benfica. Um, I don't know. I, I I'm kind of drawn to them. Uh, PSG is a team that always has. They recently, especially, has had issues with locker room stuff with an overlord Mbappe being in control of the club. Um. How much power does he have? Candice Mbappe, Messi, and Neymar trio um, actually put it together in games that matter. I think that's what's intriguing me the most. Um, and a team like Juventus, I mean, very familiar with the champions. I don't know. I, that's kind of the group that I'm looking at right now. And I'm really curious to see. I think it'll be very telling how PSG plays in that group. I think everyone's expecting them to top it. But I also think everyone wouldn't be shocked if they have some huge blunders in that group as well. You just don't know. For me, you're not selling me on this PSG project yet of if it's actually working with all these huge personalities fighting over PKs um, and drama with club stuff. I don't know. That's just what I'm drawn to. I'm drawn to PSG. I'm drawn to the drama. Um, I'm drawn to if they'll actually be able to make it out to put it together on the field. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they, if it's a Juventus Benfica over, over PSG in that group. It's mm. a fair, fair shout. Brandon, what do you guys say? I think that's sort of bold. Uh, US, Juventus is in a little bit of turmoil right now with the coach and all that. Uh, they're Juventus. Uh, but PSG has been blowing by teams in, in their yeah. league so far this year. I think five goals per game, like something crazy. Um, I think they'll be just fine there in H. If I was going to pick like a second group of death, which is, I think there's really only one. I think it's really group A. Um, the way Liverpool has started this year, we talked about on the last podcast, very, very iffy. Um, injuries, not very busy in the transfer market. Um, I don't know. Yeah, who know like who who are Liverpool at this moment? Are they still this you know the world beater making it to the final, making it to the semifinals, or are they sort of coming down off that perch? I don't know. Napoli is always pretty consistent. They are probably about the same level as Ajax, um, to be honest. Um, and then Rangers, they're back in it for the first time in a while. Um, they're really gonna want to show up on this main stage. They have some good players on their team. Not really anyone that anybody would know, but um, I think they can give a lot of these teams a, a really, really good fight. So I'd say pay attention to A because it could be very, very interesting. I think I think Group H is interesting because yeah, Benfica went on that crazy run last year. I mean, they were the underdog story of that tournament. Um, so they can't be forgotten. But I think in fairness, Group G with Man City, Sevilla, and uh, Dortmund is going to be a solid group. Um, Man City, I would have to say probably them and Bayern Munich are probably the favorites coming in this tournament. I just think Man City with additions that they've made and Bayern Munich just being, I think, the perennial Champions League team, like that's what they care a lot about. And they've won it, what, two years ago? So I guess three years ago at this point, technically. Um, anyways, though, I think... Uh, yeah, Sevilla is a pretty solid team, especially coming out of Spain. Um, I don't really think they're a pushover team, and Dortmund uh, has always been 
you know, fighting for their spot in the Champions League stage and trying to get to the round of 16. So I think Group G will be a pretty solid one to keep an eye on. And um, yeah, I don't know. I think, like y'all said, PSG is flying early in the league, and I think they won't have any issues getting out of that one. Um, if Juventus is the one to falter, that'll be my pick for that one. But I am, I am curious on you guys. I want to know uh, if you could pick a team to be your so-called dark horse, the one that you think maybe isn't the number one, two, three, four favorite, you know, team to win the Champions League that you could pick as your dark horse to go and make a run in this tournament. Who would you pick? Brandon, we'll begin with you to start out. Oh, God. I didn't even know that you were going to ask this. Um, my dark horse. I don't know. I really don't. I think... Can you say Inter Milan's a dark horse? Yeah, I, don't know I think especially can. coming out of that, especially coming out of that group, I would say it's a fair, a fair say. Yeah, I think they, if they make it out of that group, the the sky can be sort of the limit for them. Um, they have a lot of good players, some older players too that have been here, done that. Um, yeah, maybe if I gave it a second look, I'd choose a different team, but I'll, I'll say Inter for, for this podcast. I like podcast. that, I like that. Yeah. Steven. You picked Real Madrid last year. They were the eventual champions. This is your time. You get to pick another team. Who do you see with your seeing eye? Ah, uh, yes. Um, I'll actually stick with La Liga and go with the club that's been in the headlines. Oh. FC. Barcelona. Oh, wow. <laughs> Robert Lewandowski. That man is going to be out for blood against Bayern Munich. I can't wait for the drama of the matchup. It's a oh, yeah. hell of a group. Um, yeah, I, I'd love to see Barcelona go and, and win it all. You know, I, oh, man, I just... I'm imagining the drama of that scenario of Barcelona winning the Champions League, and it's incredible. Um, it's Barcelona at the end of the day. They got talent, dude. Like, they're still a good team. They really are. They really yeah, are. Yeah, they really are a solid team. Seemed to mesh well under Xavi to, to lead that charge. So, yeah, Barcelona is my dark horse for Man. winning the Champions League. You heard it here first, folks. Yeah, and it doesn't really need a reminder, but I'll remind everyone. Before the season started last year, Steve said Real Madrid will win the Champions League. They are the dark horse, and guess what? They went and did it. So, bet if you're betting, if you're betting man or woman or, yeah, <laughs> bet. Yeah, on what that go, man just said. Go go on and bet on it, and like and subscribe too. We'll do a little promo. Like bet and subscribe. It, bet so on uh, it. so I can so I can quit my job. That'd be great. Please. <laughs> Okay, Steve, you didn't give the answer I wanted you to give. Oh, so really? I'll give the answer that you were supposed to give. I'll stick with the boys. <laughs> and, hey. here's the and here is the reasoning. People have a lot to prove. And I'm not trying to fanboy. I'm just doing this because it's a dark horse pick that's probably decently legitimate. We certainly have the best route out of the group stage. That's pretty much a given. Round of 16, we've done pretty well. I think 2020 against Leipzig was just an unfortunate turn of events. No Harry Kane, some injuries that you had banged up. Um, 
I really don't think that was anyone's fault for losing that round of 16 draw to them. Also, Timo Werner at that point was at his peak. And so that was a tough round of 16 stage. But you have Antonio Conte, who's not really been known for his ability to succeed in Champions League. I think he's trying to prove that he can do it. He can win a cup final. So he's got it. Harry Kane, Sonny, the forward's looking great. And I think that they'll have a chance to make it uh, deep in the Champions League this season. So if I had to pick a dark horse, why not be Tottenham? Why not us? Uh, that's my mentality Ooh. going into this thing, you know? Hey, I think it's a great pick. I said I they're think- making the semifinals, I, and I'll stick by that. I, th- I really think they have a great chance now. Did uh, yeah. Frankfurt Frankfurt win the Super Cup against Real Madrid? No, it was 2-0, oh, yeah. Okay. Not I, bad. Frankfurt, watch out. Europa League yeah. champions. <laughs> they sure, are. Sure. They are. Um, so, yeah, it's, I, I'm so excited for Champions League. I'm just chomping oh, at the bit, the ready to see some games. It is the best. I, we've talked about this before, having fond memories of watching it together, whether it be on campus or just, like, at the house. So many awesome Champions League moments, and I know I'm excited to have Tottenham back in the league, and it's going to be cool. Yeah, that Group C, Group Death will be so intriguing. Um, yeah. Lewandowski, Barcelona, and Bayern Munich. But um, that's a bit of the Champions League. We'll move on as we get to the latter half of the episode to the Premier League. And um, that's our favorite league that we love to tune into. Uh, so much has been going on already this season. And what do we have on the weekend ballot this week, Brandon? So this is Brandon's game of the week. It is Brighton versus Leeds. Um, two teams that are arguably overperforming, but they are both well-drilled. They're both very good. Um, yeah, a little bit of history. Brighton has beat them both times. Um, the year Leeds came up um, when they you know, were promoted. Uh, but last year, even though Leeds were awful, they drew both games. So if you're seeing a pattern, it might be Leeds pulling the double over Brighton this year. Who knows? I don't know. I think this game will be very, very evenly matched. Um, yeah, sort of another one of those, you know, marker games, tr- trying to see where both of these teams are at. I don't know. What are you both thinking? Um, I saw an interview. I was posted, I think, on NBC Sports. One of their players is saying that they do have ambitions to compete for Champions League and even making the acknowledgement that Leicester won the city. Sorry, Leicester City won the league a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Why couldn't Brighton do something similar? And they've come out strong. It's three games we've talked about before. Anything can still go whichever way. Um, but no, I, I think Brighton has a realistic shot at competing for Europe. A couple of teams do. Um, I we mentioned me talking about Newcastle, like similar teams in that um, not a lot of expectations coming into the season for them, but certainly have the tenacity and um, hunger to achieve great things for their club. So I wouldn't rule out Brighton on doing well and probably taking this matchup. Um, I think Leeds has come out fiery and has come out um, with something to prove under Jesse Marsh coming in with that Bielsa system of sorts. And uh, I could say probably like a 2-1 win in favor of Brighton. I'll get the Seagulls this one. Yeah, it'll be a good game. Um, I'm thinking like a 1-1 draw or a 1-0 Brighton win. Um, 
But no, yeah, these are two good, really good teams. Uh, again, the Grand Potter, I think, is just a fantastic coach. Um, getting linked to a bunch of you know great clubs and whatnot. I think it'll be a big test for Jesse Marsh. Arguably, I think Chelsea kind of underestimated Leeds and they came out and punched them right in the face. Uh, but I don't think it's they're going to catch Brighton like that. Um, I think Brighton, it's a take one to no one kind of vibe. Like, hey, listen, we get it. We're a mid-table team. Like, you know, you, you punched high against the Giant. Now welcome back. It's sometimes you can argue that it's almost harder to beat teams that are familiar with the championship or with like scruffing it and racking it and stuff like that than playing against teams that are up high on the table. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, these are two great teams. Um, we'll go with the Brighton win. Uh, I'll, I'll still stick firm a little. It's games like these though, going back to our preseason predictions about Leeds getting relegated. Um, that if you're a Leeds, you need a point, you know, let's not get carried away. Like go out, get a point, get the job done. It's away at Brighton, I believe. Correct. Or yep. Yeah. So it's games, it's games like these, like Brandon was talking about as, with Villa, with Steven Gerrard, like, can you get a point? Like, and it's a big test. Um, so the winning against Chelsea's fun. It's exciting. It's nice. The American goal is fun. Good job, Brendan Anson. No look, but it's kind of back down to earth. You're not up against Chelsea. You're up against a classic English team that can rough it better than the than the rest. So it's like, are you, are you going to get a point or are you going to get played out the pitch? I think they're going to lose 1-0. Yeah, I agree. I think Brighton will take this game. It'll be close, um, but I could see Brighton winning to nothing. Um, surprised none of us chose Leeds there, but I, I don't think any of us are necessarily believing the, the Leeds hype thus far into the season. And what's next on the slate of games? We got what Man City, Crystal Palace. Is there any contest in this one? supposedly, you know, Pep always says Crystal Palace is one of those teams and whatever, whatever. But this year, Crystal Palace has really started the year well. Um, they smacked Aston Villa around. Um, they lost in a good game to Arsenal the first week, and then they tied Liverpool. So, you know, playing another giant here. Um, and I think Patrick Vieira is a really, really good manager. Um, very pragmatic. Going to set his team up in a certain way and, and hope that it works. Um, you know, if Newcastle, Newcastle can do something, I think Crystal Palace can do something most definitely. Um, a little bit of history and let you guys give your points. Crystal Palace has drawn and beat Manchester city in the last two meetings. What? Yes, it is true. Um, but they have only, (laughs) they only have two wins and three draws in their other meetings dating back to 2016. Sorry, in all their meetings, so including those two. So, um, and I think if you go back further, it doesn't get any better. Uh, what do you all think? Uh, well, I think if Man City continues to be vulnerable to things like the counterattack, uh, Zaha will take advantage of that. Um, he's mm-hmm. definitely shown it. I think in his last game, who did they play the last game? I can't remember. Um, but yeah, he scored that counterattack goal and put it away, and he has the ability to be lethal on a one-on-one like that. So... He can score a goal, but it won't matter if Man City scores three. Um, I think Man yeah. City's got this one in the bag pretty easily. Yeah, I got a, I got a solid. I think coming off that Newcastle draw, like that's fun. 
right? But I think Man City is going to get drilled back in the shape. And I think they're going to win this one, 3-1, 4-1, with a brace from Holland. Um, And I'm... It's fun. Greatest Premier League season ever, right? Like last week, like last week I said, but uh, Man City is exempt from these kinds of things that we're talking about. These teams, they're in a class of their own. So yeah, I think they go out, play them off the field and they have fun with it. And we see classic pep soccer. Yeah, I'll say I'll say three one as well. And I think Holland will bag his first hat trick of the year. I was going to go hat trick, but I stick with Brace. So. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, there is a North London derby this weekend. Not really one of much magnitude, to be fair. Uh, Arsenal at home hosting Fulham. Um, Fulham have not beat Arsenal since 2012. That's a decade ago. Um, wow. Yeah. And Arsenal is currently sitting atop the league. Nine points out of nine possible points. So, fellas, is there any hope that Fulham can swing this one their way? I think there is, and then <laughs> it's in one person, and I think one person only, <laughs> and it's Alexander Mitrovic. If he can score a goal or two, I think they're well well in the game. Um, they're a good team. Fulham's a good team, not to be overlooked, um, but definitely an, an early season test for them. I don't know. I want to say something will happen here. I think Arsenal might – you know, I think this might be a draw. I think I think they might come back down a little bit. They've been playing very well, um, but Mitrovic's a guy I can get stuck in if he if he doesn't waste his chances because they will Fulham will get chances. Um, I think it could be a tie, but it'd have to be like one one. I'll say one one tie. Yeah, I'm gonna go with um, an opposite direction. I think. This is going to be a game that Arsenal gets a chance to stamp um, the rest of the league on notice um, with their fourth win. Um, I think once you get in that four or five win territory, I mean, I think they take 12 points out of their first four games. Wow. You better start paying attention. Um, I got yeah. a 2-0 Arsenal win. Um, I think they're going to keep flying. Um, hosting Fulham crowd behind him they had the momentum they're balling out right now they're playing with confidence and they're a very good team um so i got two arsenal win i think you got martinelli and jesus bagging a goal each probably two one i bet they probably like a penalty i would say probably do something stupid in the back two one mitrovich puts the penalty away but it's gonna be indifferent at that point um yeah arsenal continues their hot start atop the premier league if my prediction has anything to say about it. Um, and then Brandon Villa hosting West Ham on the weekend. What's that going to look like for them? Yeah, two teams that are severely underperforming. Um, Villa with hopes and aspirations of Europe. Not looking like it's so far this year. We talked a little bit about it on our last episode, so I won't go into it. But Steven Gerrard needs to figure it out. Um, but West Ham, a team that spent a lot of money this summer, and has not put it together with zero points. They are at the bottom of the table currently. Um, you know, what What a perfect time to play Aston Villa, right? <laughs> um, you know, also Aston Villa have not beaten West Ham since they've come up um, from the championship. Um, but will it happen this weekend? 
I do not think so. <laughs> I I can only hope for a draw as an Aston Villa fan. I think it on just the looks of it, it sort of seems right. I'll say two two draw. I don't really have much hope for you guys. I'll give you a <laughs> loss. Oh <my> yeah, <laughs> no, I it, we will lose, but I'm trying to be optimistic. I think. You know, I'll I'll uh, be the optimistic here. Um, I'll go two one Villa win. Shock in the world. Oh, I mean, West Ham has not played well like either. Like, it's kind of a battle of uh, the underperforming teams, like you're alluding to, Brandon. So. But, you know, I mean, this Villa team, like, I don't have to tell you that they have talent on that field, especially in the attacking half, dude. Like, it's just in money alone. Like, these guys can get it together, hopefully. Um, I I pray they get on the track hosting West Ham and uh, take advantage of a vulnerable um, David Amoy side. So, I'll go to 2-1. 2-1 Villa win. Thank you. I needed that. <laughs> hey, anything for you, brother. Oh, my gosh. Uh. Yeah, that's the Premier League. Some of the bigger games on the slate for the weekend. Uh, hopefully, hopefully some good matches on this on the um, schedule. Uh, some transfer updates uh, coming closer to the end of the window. I think the biggest move of late has been Newcastle. It hasn't been officially announced yet. Um, supposed to be signing a 22-year-old striker, Alexander Isaac. I believe he's Swedish. Um, for Real mm-hmm. Sociedad for a club record 58 million pounds. Uh, this guy has been performing at a young age um, in the La Liga, and this is a pretty good signing, uh, giving them a pretty consistent striker that hopefully can grow into the position, grow into the Premier League. He's not a kind of bulky, you know, kind of strong striker, but he might get the job done. Uh, Brandon, how would you rate this signing for your, uh, not your team, but for the Newcastle? Yeah, uh, he's tall. He's fast. I think I, I think he's six three, and he's young. Um, it's it's honestly a really really good signing. Um, I can't believe no other teams came in for him. Um, with uh, Callum Wilson always getting hurt, um, this will be a great signing to have. Um, I thought he might play across the front three anywhere up there, but he actually only plays striker. So. Um, I think he will fit right in at Newcastle. He's going to work hard. He's going to run. Um, just a few stats. He's scored 16 goals in 1920, um, 17 goals in 2021, and 10 goals last year. Um, and he's only 22. All of those were in La Liga. So I think he can he can transfer it. I think this is a for newcastle especially probably a nine out of ten signing probably one of the best that they could have done wow yeah another thing on the this signing he is a tall boy but him and i have the exact same amount of goals headed in uh this past year i had one header um in rpl he's actually not fancy to score with his head although he um it's pretty tall guy scores with his feet only i think he only has like one headed goal in those past like two three years um which is kind of crazy um but yeah i'm with brandon i'm surprised not many more people were in on this kid uh and it, it's if you're a newcastle fan you got to get excited uh you're not reaching for an expired player for an arnautovich <clears throat> manchester united <laughs> um but no it's is it's a great team you know i think when newcastle got taken over by the consortium um you immediately go Mbappe, this, that, like all these big names or whatever, like unrealistic or 
high-wage older players. But this is a smart signing, so Newcastle fans get excited. Very exciting. And we mentioned West Ham. They're making a move for Emerson, the left back from Chelsea. That's not really seeing the light of day with them. So he makes the move for 13 million pounds to West Ham United. Um, they spent over 120 million pounds this summer already. And who are they linked with next, BPAT? Um, Leon's Lucas Paqueta. Uh, this is, have been all over the headlight headlines this week. Um, David Moyes has been asked about it in multiple press conferences. Um, rated around 35 million pounds Brazilian. Um, yeah, the offer's still on the table. I guess West Ham's waiting to hear back. Um, if they could get this deal over the line again, this is a probably eight out of 10 signing. Uh, this is upgrade on any midfielder attacking midfielder that they currently have on their roster. This guy is a Brazilian international and will probably start in the world cup. Um, yeah, 24 about to turn 25 actually this weekend. Um, 11 goals and seven assists last year, 10 goals, six assists the year before. And the dude is very technically skilled. He's gifted. He can play with his left, play with his right. This is a very good signing. Yeah, that would be good to help improve their chances of recovering early on from this Premier League season. And Chelsea, we mentioned them. Uh, we talked about Thomas Tuchel as he kind of off his rocker uh, at the beginning of this Premier League season. But they've been pursuing Wesley Fofana from Leicester. feels like all summer long. Um, and once again, they've had another bid rejected with him. Uh, they've also been linked with Aubameyang. Yeah. So as we've talked about, just being so strange with Barcelona. Um, but what else has been the link up that Chelsea's? It feels like they got their tentacles everywhere. Who else do they link with, Brandon? Yeah, this this one might be the weirdest one of the summer, I think. Um, other than about to submit a fifth bid for Wesley Vafana. That's just outrageous. Yeah, that's not that's unheard of. Um, but they're going after winger Anthony Gordon from Everton. Um, I, I can you can I Steve? Can you make this make sense to me? <laughs> I, I don't no. understand. Well, yeah, how much no. are they wanting to pay for him? Yeah, sixty million pounds. Sixty million pounds. Yeah, Chelsea doesn't have any wingers on their club. Um. That's oh wait yeah they do, um yeah no it doesn't make any sense it's I don't know it's just weird it's just really weird you kind of wonder who's running the club at when you hear certain moves like that like Everton like you're in a relegation battle don't get twisted um and Chelsea like striker defense that's your mo not <laughs> not you have a surplus of, they still have Ziyech. Or am I tripping? Yeah. Nah, he's still there. Yeah. And like Christian, just, Christian. Ziyech, Christian, like Matt, like everybody, it just doesn't make any sense. So, but you know what? Maybe they like, I mean, Anthony Gordon's English, right? So that always carries something for some whatever reason. But yeah, something came out this week that I just wanted to note that Anthony Gordon wants this move because he thinks he um, can make the English roster going into the World Cup. Um, what, what do you guys think of that? <laughs> I can name probably eight wingers ahead of him. 
I mean, kudos for him for believing in himself. That's cool. I guess, I mean, yeah, you have to say that, but yeah, hey, I mean, twenty twenty six. You know why not? Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're asked a question like that too, it's like, yeah, I believe in my. I mean, you gotta have an ego to play a professional sport. So, yeah, so interesting. That's true. Can I ask another question? Go Who's stupider me. here, though? Chelsea wanting him, or Everton possibly letting him go, or Everton not selling him for that price? Like, I feel like there's three questions to be asked here. I think Everton's smart for holding on to him. I just think they're supposed to be like a respected top club, you know, like historically, and they can't continue to free fall. They can't continue to be made a mockery of. And so letting a young talent like that go again after Richarlison leaves uh, would definitely be just like, what is already an under fire ownership group would certainly have to be out at that point. Uh, they would just be dooming themselves to relegation. Uh, they would be dooming themselves to have no real, I would argue like headlining player. Um, so yeah, it would be silly for them to let go. And it's just bad business on Chelsea's part to want to spend that much money on a player that they don't need. They have surplus. If they want to get rid of ZH, they want to get rid of Pulisic fine great make it happen but you currently don't have that freedom to do so um i just think it's a bit nonsense to have this move even in uh the rumor mill yeah um i guess i'll say i'll make it brief like i i don't know if ever everton just like hold on to him like you're gonna you're, you're still trying to stay up um like let's yeah. not get it twisted <laughs> um everton not up everton not off to a good start chelsea it's just like whatever like they're that top club that doesn't really care about how they spend their money and that's fine they'll probably loan out him like loan him out to some other team or maybe start him and then sell christian Pul- i don't know but i would say everton like hold on to this kid you gotta you gotta score goals this year don't underestimate the bottom of the table um you know so again, Frank Lampard. I, I think if Anthony Gordon leaves, it's kind of like I'd be sitting there as Frank Lampard, going, "Are you like, are you serious? Like, yeah, the right on the wall." Then, like, what am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Um, other than that, uh, Man United sort of making moves. They just loaned Eric Bailly out to Marseille. Ronaldo, if he's on his way out, I think Ten Hag's been making some sort of like sly comments, as sort of talking about. Players that have long-term futures and players that have short-term futures. Maybe Ronaldo fits in that short-term future. Kind of hard to say. Um, but he's been linked with Marseille and Napoli, apparently. Um, are they still linked with uh, De Jong, Brandon? They're not. But today I read something that Liverpool is linked with De Jong, <laughs> which would make sense. I think it's probably too late in the window for it to happen, though. Um, but they need reinforcements in that midfield and i think De Jong would be a perfect signing <sighs> it's just crazy um i mean they've been rejected with Ajax and anthony of their 80 million dollar bid which is just nuts uh we've talked about the talent that he is he's only 22 um he's put up some great numbers his goal involvements last season were 22 goal involvements 20 the year before that um he's so quick he's Brazilian, so he's trying to make his way onto the Brazilian team for the World Cup as well. Um, but 
yeah, things kind of have not been as hot as they were with the Casemiro transfer. Um, but still, like you said, needing reinforcements, needing to um, back up this squad that's trying to reinvent itself as it's three games in, it's trying to find its footing and trying to find out what their identity is. Um, are there any other link-ups or any other rumor mills that uh, we need to cover up before we move on to our last bit of the podcast, lads? Yeah, I'll, I'll hop in and just sort of finish here with Man United is all over the place. They are still scrambling, trying to get signings in. They don't know what they're doing, uh, just to com- be completely honest with you. They're about to sign, but they want to sign Marco Asensio, another Real Madrid player um, who's in talks with Arsenal, supposedly, as well. I think it'd be a good signing, but... <sighs> like. Is he a starter? No, he's not going to start for you. Um, he's not going to raise the levels, I don't think. Uh, maybe, I guess, of the backups, but I I just don't see why you'd pay $30 million? I mean, not a bad deal. I, I just don't see that. Um, they're looking for a right-back replacement. Serginho Dest has been thrown out there. Um, Denzel Dumfries, from, he's a he's Dutch player. Um, and even Norwich City's Max Aaron has been been listed. I, I don't know what they're going to do. Um, they've needed to do stuff all summer and haven't done it. And now we are right at the end here and it doesn't seem like they're going to get anything else done. Um, so yeah, I just good. Great, great win against Liverpool. I will say, but it is going to be another long season for Manchester United. Um, if they don't get anything in before the window closes. Yeah, they are playing with fire and are in danger of drowning in the Premier League if they don't make some recovery moves quickly because the deadline is closing. I think we have less than a week. Is it August 31st that the deadline closes? Um, so a little bit of uh, madness coming down the stretch, um, but our stretch here is coming down to the MLS Fast Five across the pond, back to the Americas. I <laughs> will begin our Fast Five with... Austin FC is taking on LAFC. Uh, wow. What a matchup. We've talked about this. Austin FC is kind of being that like out of nowhere team this year. Uh, LAFC is on pace to potentially break the single season points record, which is nuts. Um, but we'll begin with you, Brandon. What's your take on this one? Who do you have going in the must fast five, starting with Austin versus LAFC? Mm, man, it's going to be a great game. Um, electric, electric, electric. I'll say 5-4 Austin. It's at Austin. (laughs) That's a Stephen Crow prediction right there. Um, Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, um, Austin FC with the current golden boot leader, um, Sebastian DeRussi, and current assist leader, Diego Fagundes, with nine assists, 18 goals for Sebastian. Um, Yeah, take it on Gareth Bale. God, 5-4. You really got me messed up with that. Um... Yeah, I'll go for a 3-2. I'll go for a little bit more tame, uh, a little bit more tame outcome. And I got a bail wonder goal for LAFC taking all three points. At home, I don't think Austin FC has lost at home yet. I can't remember for sure, but I'll take a 3-3 draw. LA coming in, getting a big point. Uh, not on pace to, I guess, when the game happens to break that record quite yet. Um Second game on the ballot, you got Portland taking on Seattle. This is arguably one of the most important, historical, biggest rivalries in MLS. Uh, for me, I'll take Seattle. They're trying to scrap 
uh, scratch their way up into the playoffs. Um, I'll give them a 2-1 late stunner to win this game. That's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, I'll say 2-2 draw. The uh, Portland crowd will pull their team who's struggling from what I think. Is my, does my memory serve me correctly? Um, I think Portland's struggling right now. Uh, 2-2 draw. Yeah. Yeah. Seattle right now sits at 9. Portland at 10. They're neck and neck. Um, in the rivalry that is Cascadia, that also includes Vancouver. Um, for some of you guys, some MLS uh, education, these three teams are all like two hours away, three hours away from each other. Um, some of the oldest rivalry in MLS. It's a lot of fun. It's going to be electric. I got I got two to draw between Seattle and Portland. Okay. And then an Ohio matchup, Brandon, you should be going to this one if you could. Um, Cincinnati's taking on Columbus. Uh, Cincinnati's in ninth place, I think. And Cincinnati, sorry, uh, Columbus, they're in ninth place. Cincinnati is, is it right backwards? Seventh place crew, ninth place Cincinnati. Regardless, yeah. big Ohio matchup. Um, Brandon, these are your two teams fighting it out. Who do you have in this one? <laughs> I did go to the first Hell is Real this year. It was in Columbus, so that was amazing. Um, check the Twitter for the video. Um, yeah, it's in Cincinnati this time. Columbus wiped the floor with them last time. It was a really good game by them. Both teams fighting for playoffs. Um I will say 2-1 Vasquez Brace. Yeah, probably a late goal to win it. Dang. That's fun. He just uh, got that contract extension too, so I'll give, oh I'll yeah, give him I a did. goal. Uh, Columbus coming off that Atlanta United draw. 1-0 Cincinnati, Brennan Vasquez. Penalty. Ooh, yeah, I don't think Columbus looked too good, honestly, against Atlanta United. Um Kind of had a couple moments of individual brilliance. Um, to take that point, I think Cincinnati will take this game uh, 2-1 as well. Good call. Uh, in the East, you have Orlando, NYC, FC. Orlando's sitting third. Um, that's a really good spot for them to be. NYC, the reigning MLS Cup champions, are in fifth. Um, let's see. In Orlando, Orlando's... Probably going to stay in third. I'll give them a 1-1 draw. We'll say mm. that. Orlando won nothing. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't I think know. It, just I'm thinking about like predictions with the MLS. And the reason why it's so different than the Premier League is just like everybody's bad. Like even the good teams are bad. Like the way they score goals, just a little tid. It's hard to do these predictions because the reason why five, four isn't a crazy prediction earlier by Brandon. It's because I don't know. Like it's MLS. Uh, sorry. I'm just thinking happen. it could it's happen, true. dude. It could it's happen. True. And it's, it's like Orlando NYCFC, like Orlando's in third. I'm like, okay, sure. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I'll go with like a 2-1 win from Orlando over NYCFC. Man. Let's see. Do we finish this out with a decent matchup or the seller-dweller matchup? Seller. Yeah, okay. So Atlanta United <laughs> is taking on DC United. 
Atlanta desperate for points. DC United desperate for a rebuild under newly appointed manager Wayne Rooney. 13 and 14 coming up against each other. This one's in Atlanta. Atlanta is so desperate, I think, that they'll have to get a win. Uh, hopefully it's a big one. 4-1 would be awesome. Um, I don't know how we'll score four goals, but I will take it. Because the 27 goal differential and the negative for DC has me thinking we could probably do something against them. Oh, okay. Sorry, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Atlanta United absolutely dominated Columbus last week. And that was like one of the, I think it was probably the best performance of the year. If they can carry that energy back home and play like that, I don't know what the score, you know, I don't know what the score would could be. It could be a lot to a, a little. Um, but realistically, I think Atlanta will win three to one because the defense is awful so we'll definitely give up one go at least <laughs> yeah um i'm gonna go to this game i'm really excited about it i'll be screaming my my little butt off and um i was telling alexis earlier today it's like i want to go to the game because like i know we're gonna win like that <laughs> those have been very few games this year for atlanta united i was like i really want to go because i know we're gonna win um i'll go for a 3-1 hopefully a 3-0 um result for the for atlanta united um i'd love to see Josef martinez get more comfortable and get back on the score sheet and um yeah it's a trial game for atlanta united i think to play more free-flowing and um start to build on something um would be would be great from that last week from against columbus yeah we do we do need uh just to build up some sort of momentum what six seven games left desperate for points it takes takes that unity takes that team we'll see if gonzalo pineda can rally the lads um but for today that's about gonna do it for us um we've been doing this uh 33 times now and we love getting a chance to do so I'm spending close to a little over an hour together today. And um, we hope that you can continue to support our coverage of stuff like the MLS, MLB, and the Premier League. And now Champions League for the fall and upcoming spring. Uh, if you have not already become a bad fan by subscribing, clicking the bell so you know that new videos are made available. Um, that way, you know, you can join in with us and to the premiere, um, finding us on Twitter. Just interact with us. We'd love to hear your opinions as why you're a bad fan of your team or the league that you follow. Uh, but hey, for today, I have been Cole Carter. They have been Steven and Brandon. We'll have to hope to see you guys next time. Until then, take care and peace out.